0: What's up, guys? This is Jim. Hope you're having a great day and a great week. Um, Welcome to the Holmes Politicast, and let's get right into it. We have a lot of stories to cover today. First of all, of course, obviously the big story is President Trump being uh, testing positive for coronavirus and having to be hospitalized for it. Um, We don't really know what's going on, so I don't want to uh, go too deep into that as to What's happening with him. Just, of course, we all wish him well. And hopefully he'll be back on the campaign trail real soon here. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know what else to say about that. I mean, I have some things I could say, but I just don't know. Yeah, I, I need more information before I start making any judgments. Um, hopefully we'll get some kind of a deal. I know he tweeted yesterday conflicting stories. One saying that he wanted to end... Negotiations um, for the CARE Act, and then later saying he wanted a standalone bill. Um, So I don't know. We'll have to see what happens with that. And of course, this week also is the vice presidential debate. And uh, I don't know if I'll do a show on that. It depends on if it's just a train wreck. I may, otherwise, uh, we'll just, I might mention it next week. Um, Big story statewide is that uh, the Michigan Supreme Court ruled against um, Governor Whitmer and her executive authority uh, for the emergency. And uh, so then Michigan um, uh, what is it? CAPCOM? I can't remember what. Capital? Something. I can't remember what it stands for. Um As this, Whitmer asked the Supreme Court to return her unilateral governance until October 30th. So this is by Tom Gantert, and it says, Governor Whitmer has filed a motion with the Michigan Supreme Court asking that her executive orders remain in effect until October 30th. Whitmer's press release stated, ensuring this transition period will allow the governor, local health experts, and the Michigan legislature to work together together to put product protections in place that will keep Michiganders safe and protect our economy. So this, uh, um, it took me by surprise only that it happened so soon. I didn't, I don't see how anybody would think that the courts would rule otherwise on this. Uh, just given that she was using two different executive orders and they were only for a limited time uh so it, it's not surprising then that, that the court would say you can't do that. Um, so I don't know. It, we're kind of in flux right now as to whether or not we're still under the state of emergency or are we until the end of the month. I don't know. Um, you guys might know by the time you watch this. You might have a better idea of what happened. But that um, doesn't surprise me, the ruling. Just the timing kind of surprises me. And, um, the, oh, um, I can't remember. There was something else that I read about that I wasn't, I was going to bring up, but I don't have it in front of me. So, um, oh, a recall effort. There's been several recall, recall efforts. Uh, there's a huge bar that has to be, that has to be reached before it'll be on the ballot. And. Um, so that one, I don't have any real confidence that's going to happen because it's too late for this year for it to be on the ballot. It wouldn't have to be until next year, but by that time you've got an election coming up the year after. And so I just imagine that people will be more focused on the, on the governor's race at that point than to do a recall. And if it turns out that she no longer can use in emergency powers, then I don't know if the recall effort will be as strong uh, because she's not a threat, you know. I mean, you know what I'm saying. Like, she's, people might still think she's a threat, but it's not going to be an immediate threat that can't be handled by the election. It was actually very similar to what I said. Uh, uh, well, I didn't say it on here because the impeachment issue, didn't come up until we just started the program right before they voted, the Senate uh, acquitted the president. But it was what I had been saying last year to those of you who knew me, I repeated it over and over, that I didn't didn't understand the reason why they would impeach the president so late in his term. Most presidential impeachments, and I say most because there's only been two prior to this, so it's not like there's a huge history of it, but have been in a president's second term. And, uh, and early on in the second term. So uh, I thought it was kind of odd because the people would have a chance to vote uh, later this year as, as is coming up now. And so I didn't really see the reason why you would impeach the president and try to have him removed, like in January or February, when there's going to be an election in November and the people would have a right to decide. Now, it'd be different if he had been reelected and he's, we're going to have four years of him and they say, we got to get rid of this man. Right now, we can't spend four more years. They may have had um, some wind in their sail at that point. But uh, just a few months before the election, it was kind of a a ridiculous effort. And that's kind of what I think with a recall effort so close to her uh, election uh, for governor, re-election for governor, or her attempted re-election, I guess. I'm not saying it's for our conclusion, but I'm just saying – uh, I just don't think a lot of a lot of people will say I'm not really in support of the recall because we're going to have an election for the people to decide why why do it now. Um, it and I'm not even sure exactly what we have in Michigan. I know in California, when they recalled Ray Davis, they had another election, and that's where Arnold Schwarzenegger got elected. I don't know in Michigan what the law is if we recalled Whitmer. Would the lieutenant governor become governor? Would we have to have a special election to elect a new governor? And if we do, then we'd have to have another election a year later. So again, there's a lot of reasons why I don't think a recall effort will go very far. Like I said, it may, if we were still under a state of emergency and people said, we've had enough of this, this is the only way to stop it and get rid of her. And and. You know, but I don't think anything is that urgent that it would require her to be removed right now if, if she no longer has us under a state of emergency, unilaterally. I mean, it'd be different. It's going to be different if the legislature says, yeah, because of the health, we're going to go ahead and keep the lockdown going. That'd be one thing. But if she personally is just doing it unilaterally through executive orders, then, yeah, she would risk being recalled. But short of that, I don't think there's going to be a huge demand that she be removed from office. Only a year early, um, I think people would just say, "Let's just wait till the election and vote then." But anyway, so that's a big a big issue. I don't know what's going to happen uh, between now and October 30th. I don't know if the legislature will back her up. It's really hard to say because I haven't seen the Republicans in the legislature showing much of a spine uh, so I don't really know what they're gonna do are they gonna say no more of this we're gonna exert our power and say we're opening up the state or is or will they work with her and say well let's let's try to come up with something together and keep the keep it locked down maybe we'll open up certain sectors but you know I don't know it's hard to say so that'll be that's one that we'll definitely have to keep an eye on and I'll let you know. If we hear anything new. Um, this same uh, uh, news site, uh, I think it's Michigan Capital Confidential. I think what it's called. It just says Capcom here. but um, And this one's also by Tom Gantert. Uh, maybe he's the only one who writes for this page. I don't know. It seems like every article I see seems to be from him. Or maybe he just writes the most interesting ones. But this one is actually from last month. Uh, we just never got a chance to talk about it because there's just so much going on. But it says the state takes on first $800 million in new road repair debt. So um, this is something we've been talking about for a while. It's not a long article. but um, so, But we've been talking about the roads, the road repair that was supposed to be done early on that hasn't been. This is the Michigan Department of Transportation has finalized plans to borrow the first $800 million out of an eventual $3.5 billion in new road repair debt, according to a state press release. The borrowing will be done by selling state bonds over the next few years, with an expectation that the debt will be paid off over 25 years. Governor Whitmer said the new borrowing will let the state rebuild major highways without an increase at the gas pump, or in other words, a gas tax increase. The press release did not include how much this will cost in interest, but previous reports indicate taxpayers will pay $565 million on just the first $800 million. This was something that uh, you will recall, those of you old, old-timers who have been with us from the beginning, this was something that we were opposed to right from the start about this uh, um, state bonds, uh, putting our state in more debt to pay for these things. So, But apparently this is what they're going to do. It, it, I assume it was – this is not a unilateral decision. I assume this was done by the legislature. <clears throat> I don't know. But um, <clears throat> this is from the Michigan Department of Transportation, so – it's possible that she used funds from somewhere else to do this, but um Yeah. Anyway, I'm I I don't know how this is gonna work out. But uh we're gonna have some road repair, I guess, so I guess that's a good thing. I mean she's gotta do something before she runs for re-election because she hasn't accomplished much of anything in her tenure. Uh, so, you know, she's got to do something for the election. I mean, she's not going to be able to get anything done in the election year, and she will be able to get some things done early next year. And I'm talking, I'm not talking about, I'm not, I'm saying in a, in a, in an actual. Year, not a year of pandemic or crises, but if all things were equal and fair, you only really have the first, uh, like six months of next year that she could accomplish something. Because after that, we'll start having people will start throwing their hat under the ring for the race for governor. We'll see both sides starting to pit pit themselves against each other. And certainly in election year, she won't get much done because Republicans aren't going to want to give her anything to run on, any accomplishments. And Democrats aren't going to want to give anything to the Republican legislature, assuming, of course, in November that the legislature remains Republican. uh, The Democrats aren't going to want to give them any wins because probably, and this isn't 100 percent, but probably the Republicans' nominee for governor will be from the legislature. I mean it. It, it's not a guaranteed thing. I mean, you could have somebody out of left field, out of a business background, like you had with Rick Snyder. You could have uh, a member of um, – well, like if if John James does not succeed in November, he may throw himself into the governor's race. You know, you might have some people who aren't from the Michigan legislature, but many times there will be people from the Michigan legislature who will run for governor. And so the Democrats are going to want to give them anything to say, I got this done. I pushed through this legislation, you know, and I would make a better governor because I was able to get this done or whatever. So there will be, provided the Republicans win a majority in the legislature, there will only be a small window next year where presumably, the governor's going to be able to accomplish anything because after that, everyone's going to be in political mode preparing for the governor's race. And there's you know, there's not going to be a lot of compromise or deals worked out. Um, uh, another article that I saw here is uh, they, the Michigan says, the headline says, doxing that causes harm becomes 10-year felony under Michigan House Bill, but then it sounds as if it's already passed, but then when I read it, it sounds like it's just been proposed. This is always the problem with media. They give you headlines that sometimes are misleading to get you to read, and so it's hard until you read the article to really figure out what's happening, but Here's what it said. Republican State Representative Beth Griffin has introduced a bill in the Michigan House that would make doxing a crime. House Bill 6206 says doxing happens when a person publishes private or identifying information about a specific individual on the internet with malicious intent, end quote. Under the bill, a first offense would be a misdemeanor, but if the act is part of a continued pattern of harassing or intimidating behavior, A conviction could bring five years in prison and ten years if the victim dies. An example of doxing with extremely serious potential consequences involved Romeo resident Joel Vanghelu. Vanghelu. In that incident, people on the Internet incorrectly identified him as the man who drove into a crowd of protesters in Charlottesville, Virginia in 2017. Another man, James Alex Fields, Jr., was convicted of the attack, which killed one person. The car used in that incident previously belonged to the Vanghelu family, but neither the family nor Joel, whatever, had anything to do with the attack, yet people on Twitter incorrectly identified him as the owner of the car and posted his home address. The Michigan State Police advised the family to leave their home for their own safety Due to the numerous threats that followed. Um, So this bill on the surface sounds good. I don't know. I'd have to think about it as to the wording is very vague. The malicious intent. um, I don't know what that means. I mean, I know I know what the word malicious intent means, but I don't know how that's interpreted. How do you interpret what's malicious? what is for the good of the public and the public's right to know and what is malicious. For example, they have um, sex offenders are listed and their home address is listed and uh, you know where they live, their picture, their name, their home address. And it is considered to be for public safety so the public knows where they live But that also could be malicious intent. If somebody goes on the internet and says, This is where this guy lives, you know, are they doing it to be malicious and to be cruel because they hate the individual? Maybe the individual did something to them that, and I'm not talking about like a crime, maybe, you know, bumped into them on the road, hit them with their car accidentally, you know, maybe they just listened to loud music and so they published this with the intent of forcing him to leave the neighborhood but they could always claim well we were just letting our neighbors know that there is a convicted sex offender living here so that's what i'm saying there's a fine line between malicious intent and the people's right to know that's where i get nervous about it because how do we know you know if if the, if you're posting it just to let people know that there's somebody who's been accused of murder or, you know, or in this case, um, white supremacist. If they say that this guy drove his car in and killed protesters in Charlottesville, people who were protesting, you know, in favor of Black Lives Matter and these things. And they said, we were just posting it because there are black people in everywhere they should know there's a dangerous man living here who obviously hates black people who ran over some with his car. Is that information being given to make the public aware or was it done with malicious intent? And that's where, that's the part that I have trouble with is how do you prove malicious intent? It's something that judge Judy says quite a bit that intent requires you having to get inside a person's brain and how do you how do you do that how do you prove that they did it with malicious intent unless they just come out and say oh yeah i did it because i hate them and i wanted to see them hurt um they can always claim there was a reason why we did it so i don't i don't know so i'm not sure this one's this one's a tough one because Civil liberties. I mean, I'm, I'm a civil libertarian. I mean, I'm libertarian anyway, and I believe in civil, civil liberties. Uh, in that sense, then no, I don't think that um, you should be allowed to put information about people. Uh, you know, because people have a right to privacy and they have a right. You know, but then, but then that doesn't stand up with the argument about like a sex offenders list. Uh, you know, if if I if you know, if all things are fair, then I'd have to say then then putting people on a sex offender registry would be unfair because they have a right to privacy. They have a right to not have their personal information being published. If they've done their time, they shouldn't be on a list. You know, their crime should be forgiven once they've done their time. Um. So, but then you say, but but the people have a right to know. Well, then. Do people have a right to know if if you've been accused of a crime, like of running a car, running people over with a car, you know? So this one's a really tough one. I'm not sure. I'd have to see what the finished product is. But what really bothers me is the malicious intent. How do you prove that? How do you prove it's malicious intent? Um, versus a people's right to know or a people's right to information. And where does, where's the line drawn? You know, So I, that one, it's a tough one for me. Um, I'd have to see more information on it. I'd have to see what the finished product is, or, you know, after it's gone through the Senate and the House and goes to the governor. I'd have to hear more information before I could uh, take an opinion on it. But anyway, that's an interesting uh, theoretical and legal question. Um, it really is, and it's something that it's challenging for me, so I'd have to give that some thought here. All right, I have two issues, um, federal, about this one, um, about uh, Biden. This is interesting. A couple of interesting things here. Uh, On Monday, Joe Biden did a town hall on NBC uh, in which he answered questions for about an hour. Give and take. I mean, they had commercials and stuff, so it wasn't actually a whole hour of him answering questions. In fact, I watched it, and actually very few questions were asked because it was all the social distancing, and they had, uh, uh, you know, it took forever for the people to get up to the microphone and ask the question, and at one point, and then for some odd reason, they decided to do this right near a highway, so... Every time, like a semi truck drove over or whatever, you couldn't hear anything. So Biden had to keep asking for questions to be repeated because in the middle of the question, cars would start driving overhead or wherever it was, and you couldn't hear anything. And so I'm not sure what was going on with that. What kind, of, why they would pick that location. But anyway, this is according to the Hill, that um, you know the Capitol Hill news, newspaper. But but it said that the undecided voters at this NBC uh, Biden town hall were uh, Biden supporters that had actually appeared on MSNBC and won earlier that day. Um, here's what the article says. An NBC town hall with Joe Biden bills it, billed as consisting only of an audience of undecided Florida voters. Include two key American voters who told MSNBC in August that they were voting for the former president, according to a Tuesday report in Washington Free Beacon. That is a good, me- that is a good newspaper. I would recommend it. The Washington Free Beacon. I think it's only online, but still, definitely check it out. Welcome, welcome to tonight's town hall, where we are surrounded by dozens of undecided voters, and where Democratic candidate Joe Biden will answer our questions and make his case tonight. Moderator Lester Holt. Told viewers at the top of the broadcast on Monday night. One question at the event came from attorney Peter Gonzalez. Six weeks ago, Gonzalez told MSNBC on August 23rd that if we get four more years of Trump, good luck and good luck with the future attracting younger voters. An NBC on screen graphic read voting for Biden underneath Gonzalez as he spoke. The network promoted Gonzalez's comment on its official Twitter and Facebook pages at the time. Another question came from Ismail Lano, who voted for Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton in 2016. Something that Joe Biden said during his speech that resonated with me was what defines America is a possibility, Lano told MSNBC's Ellison Barber in August. And a third undecided, undecided voter, and they have that in quotations, Michelle Cruz Marrero, did not appear on embassy earlier, but has featured several pro-Biden posts on our Facebook page in recent weeks, per the Free Beacon. Two weeks ago, a CNN town hall for Biden also came under scrutiny for its choice of questions. Of the 16 questions asked of the Democratic nominee, 13 came from those identified as Democrats and just three from Republicans, drawing the attention of President Trump. He's up there tonight getting softball questions from Anderson Cooper. They don't ask me questions like that, Trump told supporters in Pennsylvania on September 17th. The event from Miami Summocast across uh, NBC, MSNBC, and CNBC, and it drew a total of 6.7 million viewers, according to Nielsen Media Research. The Hill has reached out to NBC News for comment, but has gotten no reply. Um, I actually read a couple of different articles on that. And in the other one, a, th- a third person had been on NBC earlier that day, MSNBC earlier that day, talking about how they were voting for Biden. So we see here, once again, the media up to its old tricks of of, um, you know, playing games and and lying, uh, just it's just ridiculous. I remember four years ago, uh, Donna Brazil was giving qu- answers to Hillary Clinton's team, or not answers. She was giving questions that were going to be asked to Hillary Clinton team at a NBC event. And uh, oh, John Harwood, I think his name is. I don't know. He's he's some lunatic that's on uh, CNBC. He actually. Hosted one of the, or he was actually one of the questionnaires at one of the Republican debates. Um, And he also was found in those WikiLeaks that came out four years ago that he was uh, on the phone with Clinton's people prior to his debate, getting what questions that they wanted to be asked at the debate. So this is par for the course. The media is absolutely ridiculous. They are, the corporate media, uh, the commercial media, whatever you want to call them, uh, they they have no capability of telling news. They want to make news. They want to make a good show. Um, and I mean, you know, some would say that they're just in the tank for Biden. Maybe they are. I'm not going to argue that, but I will look. I will say that regardless of how they feel, they like to control the news. They don't want to leave anything to chance. They don't want somebody somebody getting in this Biden infomercial and attacking Joe Biden like verbally on something. Um, they want it to be a nice, happy event. And so, you know, they're going to make sure that that everybody they ask questions of are going to be polite and ref, you know deferential, they're not going to have anybody screaming at Joe Biden, you know, anybody who's going to not toe the line talking about um, the uh, deportations under Obama um, or uh, about drone, drone strikes under Obama or things like that. You do remember, you might remember I guess, uh, I don't know if any of our viewers watched the Democratic primary debates. I did. And at one of them at one of the debates, people had to be let out of the hall because when Joe Biden tried to speak, they were protesting the amount of deportations that had been taken place under o- Obama. And actually, for as much news as there is about Trump's deportation policies and the wall and all these other things, um, Trump has really kept Obama's policies on these things. So, I mean, which brings up two things. First of all, you know, as Donald Trump keeps talking about how bad Obama was, he's kept a lot of Obama's policies. So it kind of kills his argument that Obama was such a bad president. If he was such a bad president, then why is Trump continuing his policies, his drone strikes and his deportation and the kids in cages? These were all done over Obama. Tear gassing uh, people at the border. Obama did all those things. That's the first thing. Is the, But the media – the other thing is the media has latched onto Trump and complained about how racist and he is, but they didn't say that under Obama. But anyway, at the, at the uh, debate, these people kept protesting when Joe Biden tried to speak about the uh, um, deportations, which actually, uh, that was my point I was going to make, was that with all the talk about Trump, Obama actually deported more people than Donald Trump has. So um, he was much harder, harsher on immigration than Donald Trump has been. So take that for what you may. I mean, either, you know, it might tell you that Donald Trump isn't quite the great man that he claims he is. You know, being so tough on immigration, he really isn't as tough been as Obama. Or you can say, this just proves the media's double standard, whatever. Take, with the, take from it what you will. But the point is they don't want that kind of a situation to happen at this Joe Biden infomercial. You know, they certainly didn't want people standing up and and attacking Joe Biden or starting a protest or chanting or, you know, anything that's going to make it unhappy. You know, it had to be a happy, happy event um, where Joe Biden gets to sit up there and answer a few softball questions and, you know, gets a full hour of, uh, of earned media, as they say. And they didn't want it to turn ugly. So, of course, they're going to. Uh, and I don't say that. Because I approve of it, but of course, given the way the media is, everything's a show, there is no actual news, it's entertainment. Um they want to control the narrative. So you know, so it doesn't surprise me at all that they had that they have these things rigged, just like if, if, if Donald Trump was to agree to do one, they would make sure in order to have a confrontation, because Trump has trouble containing Himself, he's an easy mark, and the media knows it. You can get him riled in a matter of seconds, and that makes for good TV. For Trump to lash out, to get angry, um, it makes a good soundbite, makes a good headline. So they would make sure that they put anti-Trump people in the audience. It wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't be all Trump supporters. They would make sure they put in people because they would have a better show. The Joe Biden show make just making an old. Senile man, um, you know, embarrassing him would not work. It might actually, you know, so that's not a good show, watching people beat up on an old, crippled, senile man. It would be great entertainment to watch average people take on Donald Trump and have him, uh, you know, returning in favor and returning in kind. So, it's all just manipulated. But even though I understand that, it still bothers me when I see this, you know, this infomercial for Biden. They've given him – I'm not even going to get into it, but during the primary, they listed him as the frontrunner the entire time. It was no – even when he came in third or fourth in every primary contest, he still was listed as the frontrunner. And they gave him ton of free publicity. When his campaign ran out of money after, I think it was after Nevada, he was completely broken, busted. He couldn't go on any further. And then the media gave him free airtime uh, for the next week. And then he won big in South Carolina. So they propped up his campaign right from the start, giving him free publicity. It bothered me at the time. And it's bothering me now that they're giving him all this free publicity uh, and he's not having to run ads or I mean, he is running ads, but he doesn't have to spend that money for running ads because he's getting free publicity. So he can wait until the last couple of weeks of the campaign and then just uh, have a blitz, blitzkrieg of ads just hitting every swing state because he can save money right now by doing these town halls that's shown all over the country. Um, it's, it's just, I, I just don't like when the media doesn't play fair. I want to see a fair election. I want to see both sides. That's why I didn't like the train wreck last week of the debate. I want to see both sides present their case and and the person with the best ideas win in this country. I don't want to see people putting their thumb on the scale and saying, well, we want to give this person free publicity. We want to, you know, this kind of thing. You know, we want to turn this personal. I just don't like that. I, I just don't like that at all. So it... It never ceases to surprise me, even though it shouldn't. Um, the New York Post has a story here. If it will go. Well, hold on here a second. I have to reboot, refresh this page because it seems to have frozen up on me. Um, All right, he's in Miami. Uh, Joe Biden. Uh, this was on October 6th. It's an article by Emily Jacobs. And it says, Biden makes eyebrow-raising comment to young girls at campaign stop in Miami. To Biden's wife the presidential nominee away from reporters on the campaign trail to maintain social distancing. But that didn't prevent one of the signature eyebrow-raising comments at an event later in the afternoon. CDC recommended six feet apart from the press. Biden was asked a question by a reporter when his better half came up behind him and pulled him back a couple of steps. "I'm sorry," Biden said as he shuffled backwards, regaining his thoughts. After their flight, the Bidens arrived in Florida, where they visited Little Haiti Cultural Center. While there, he watched a performance by a group of school— I'm sorry. While there, he watched a performance by a group of school-aged children before delivering remarks about how Hispanics would be supported under a Biden administration. During his remarks, he had an awkward moment when he told the group of girls that he planned to come back and see them dance again once they were four years older. The good news is for me, I'm here. The bad news is for you, the bad news for you is I'm coming back, he said. I'm coming back, I'm coming back, and I want to see these beautiful young ladies. I want to see them dancing when they're four years older, too, he quipped to the crowd. Biden, known was known for his awkward comments, has thrust himself back out of the campaign trail following months lockdown. In his Wilmington, Delaware home, while the coronavirus raged on, um, despite President Trump's COVID diagnosis, the 2020 Democrat has maintained that he would begin in-person campaigning again with appropriate health and safety measures. Well, there's a lot of pa- there's a lot packed into that little article. I thought for sure. I just I started to laugh because it says Biden, who is well, who is known for his frequent awkward comments, has thrust himself back. Onto the campaign trail following months locked down in his Wilmington, Delaware home. I—I For some reason, I thought they were going to say locked in his basement, which just made me start to laugh. But I, I can't believe they're going to say that, locked in his basement. Um, but uh, first thing is, uh, he has a habit of making really disturbing comments about girls and women. Um, unless you've been living under a rock for the past, well, 40 years, you know that Joe Biden has a really bad habit of that. And this is the kind of thing that scares his his, um, campaign team is that he's going to do more stuff like this. And then, also right here, Joe Biden's wife had to pull him from reporters to maintain social distancing. But uh, the truth is uh, she had to pull him away more likely because If he just is left alone to talk, he will say something that is going to, whether you can believe him, he's allegedly ahead in most of the polls, not all the polls, but most of the polls. Some have him close, some have him losing, but a lot of the polls show him as having uh, a lead. And so that is not something that they want to have him Speaking to people off the cuff because he it could blow the lead. So we don't know. I, I'm not I'm not taking a position. I got burned four years ago with the polls, so now I take them with a grain of salt. It depends on who the polls are, and as and has been said a million times, it's become a cliche. The only poll that counts are the ones on election day. That's all that's really important. Um, go out and vote regardless of who you support because you don't know what the polls really are. So if you if you support Joe Biden, you know, I'm just saying as an American, go out and vote. Don't don't say, well, Biden's so far ahead, I don't need to vote. And if you support Donald Trump, go vote. Don't say, well, there's no point. He's losing. I don't need to go out and vote because my one vote isn't going to make a difference if he's going to lose in a landslide. Vote, 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 no matter who you support. If you support the libertarian, if you Democrat, Republican. Don't pay attention to the polls. Just vote your conscience. Vote how you want. And we'll find out on election day what what the polls show. So, anyway, there's a um, let's see how much time we have left. Oh, actually we're out of time. So, um, Let's, uh, I hope everyone has a great week. And we'll see you next week. Make sure to like and subscribe and tell your friends and uh, comment on issues that you think are important. I'm always looking for some good comments. Some weeks are easier than others. Some weeks it's really hard to find something happening. Of course, from now until the election, there's probably going to be quite a bit to talk about, and even after the election, probably. But, you know, you never know. Sometimes you just get tired of talking about the same issues over and over. so. So, yeah, if you have any ideas, just let me know. But, All right. Well, we'll talk to you here real soon. Bye, everyone.